And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the illuminated Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme, up here on the beautiful Smith River. Summer solstice. Happy summer solstice to y'all. And uh, it's finally feeling like a bit of summer, a cool summer so far. We actually got rain a couple days ago on the farm and uh it's just been uh good times when the skies are blue <laughs> uh no nefarious clouds that i see right now bear but uh it seems like a continual effort to um use all the skills and technologies we have to clear up the skies whenever we can so uh we're here yeah, to educate you guys on that sick the other day where they they canvassed the skies and then uh then they brought in the rain and it's always after they spray then it rains and everybody starts getting symptoms that's you had them the other day dev had some but uh but we're good today and uh, we like a little bit of cool weather after that first hot streak because i'm out there digging holes all day <laughs> it's gnarly when it's 90 and you you know and uh anyway uh a little cool is okay Love so, it. Uh, go for it. Okay. Well, it, guys, if you're new to Alpha Vedic, you can find out more about us on our website. That's alfavedic.com. And uh, all of our events coming up can be found on our Telegram channel. That's t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic or t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic News for our broadcast channel. Just go there, find everything uh, that's going on right now. Lots going on. And also on our Instagram, which is blown up thanks to Bear's Electroculture post. That's <laughs> got like 8.5 or 9 million views now. I don't even know what it has. Uh, pretty insane. So uh, check us out on Instagram.com. Uh, that's the one like normie channel that we're on that uh, because, you know, we can get all of our cool content up really quick. So check that out there. I kind of... That, that one post on Instagram still kind of freaking me out. I'm like, who are all these people? You know, I don't even know what it's at right now, Bear. I haven't looked in a week. It was at like 8 million last week. For all I know, it could be at like- Shannon said it's over 9 million now. Okay. Wow. <laughs> in Unbelievable. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to use their platforms, uh, you know, uh, to educate the masses in any way we can, right? Uh, they've given us the platform. We'll use it against them, not even use it against them. We'll just build our own parallel system. So uh, why not? So it's been fun on there. And today we've got the great David Whitehead joining us. He's the host of the Truth Warrior podcast and co-host of the Unslaved podcast with legendary Michael Tessarion. He's a full-time independent researcher, journalist, and martial artist, and weaves in philosophy, ancient occult knowledge, alt history, and consciousness studies in his work. As an avid adventurer with a lifetime of study and interests in esoteric information, philosophy, comparative religion and mythology, ancient and modern mysteries, the paranormal and current geopolitical events, David's personal quest is to seek answers to many challenged questions of our time. When you study and practice martial art philosophy in its truest sense, you will discover it is a process of refinement and growth and that it will eventually lead to solutions-oriented thinking which is desperately needed today. The basis of his work is founded on a sincere pursuit of truth wherever it may lead, with an emphasis on, on facing and conquering fear and self-imposed limitation, which often get in the way of our physical, mental, and spiritual development. David's groundbreaking documentary series, Cult of the Medics, is an ongoing investigation into the modern medical industrial complex, how it operates and examines its ancient and occult origins. 
It takes a great deal of inner strength to go against the grain, to challenge the status quo, to stand when no one else will stand, to protect one's inherent natural rights and freedoms, and to protect others as well. Be prepared for some massive dot connections, red pill moments, and a 40,000-foot view of the goings-on in today's human experience. David Whitehead, today, this is going to be a fun one, Bear, right up in our wheelhouse here. Yeah, absolutely. David, uh, thanks so much for being with us. And, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of talking with you and Michael on Unslaved, and uh, that was fun. Really good to get to know both of you guys. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate you making time. Thank you. Uh, oh. You know, there, there's so many things we could talk about. And, uh, you know, martial arts would be probably my one that I'd like to talk about most. I think every doctor should be a practitioner of the martial arts and a farmer first before they even try to go to medical school, you know, just to ground them in and see how life works in the real world there. So, uh, you know, so th that's fantastic. I know you just uh, reopened your dojo and are helping a lot of people and teach kids. So uh, amazing work there. Thank you. Um, you know, we're we're going to talk a little bit in code here, you know, because we're still trying to use uh, uh, douche tube a little bit, you know, to uh, reach as many people as we can, even though we're live streaming on a lot of other platforms. So, uh, you know, forgive us if we have to uh, act like children and watch what we say. Oh, no um, I'd, I'd like to get into, you know, the medical part a little bit. And as you know, you know, in my practice in biotrain medicine and getting dragged into some of the other movies out there like Terrain and everything, uh, you know, we made more the case about, um, you know, just the uh, uh, the myth of germ theory. And uh, I'm really kind of fatigued with all that because, uh, you know, the people I traveled with years ago, uh, well over 20 years ago, we we knew uh, and had verified that there would be a major biological false flag. Uh, and, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so it was no surprise to us. And then, um, you know, having to talk about it all these last few years, it's, I'm kind of over it. But what uh, would really be interesting to me, and I know the rest of our audience, is to get into a lot of the subject matter that you have expertise in, and that was uh, some of the basis of your great uh, documentary series, uh, The uh, Cult of Medicine. And I really encourage our audience, if you haven't seen it, you know, go over there and we'll give you all the links and, and have uh, David tell us the best place to find everything. But um, the occult history of medicine really is the most fascinating to me. So if, uh, if you'd like to just maybe introduce yourself a little bit more, your background that you think might, you know, be helpful for uh, people that don't know you. I think more people in our audience do know you already. So uh, if you, you want to start there and then we can uh, just segue into how did this whole medical cult get started in the first place? Who's behind it and what are these guys up to? So uh, welcome, David. Well, Mike and Dr. Bear, everybody, thank you so much for having me. Um, I apologize for my voice. I've got a bit of a tickle in my throat today. I've been yelling a lot at my new dojo, <clears throat> trying to motivate these people. And um, it's been a joy to get back into that work of uh, being on the ground and trying to help people, um, you know, re rediscover who they are and what real health is. Um, and I believe real health is a inside job. It's a way of life. It's a pattern of... Uh, almost you have to train yourself to understand all these things that you guys talk about and so many others are talking about. So I'm uh, 
I'm just somebody that wants to try to get the positive information out to people that will empower them to know what the solutions are. Um, and I'm no expert in anything, but um, I mean, I guess you could say I'm an expert in the martial art world because I've been doing that <clears throat> my whole life. And um, but when it comes to this research, I'm just a, a guy that's been curious about what's going on in our medical institutions, what's going on in our political institutions, our media, our world. And um, I've been on the trail of this for probably about 20 years, worked with some of the greats, uh, people like Michael, of course, and so many others. So what I tried to do was create uh, a documentary series out of all the interviews I've been doing, because I've been doing these podcasts and interviewing people from all over. And not everybody can sit through a podcast. And so I thought, <clears throat> let's uh, try to create um, a, a, a video series that people would gravitate towards that could explain it, um, at least in a general sense, that might spark the curiosity that they might want to go and look into these rabbit holes that I'm presenting. And um, so, yeah, I'm just a, I'm a curious mind. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and I'm just trying to get to the truth. So I've been involved in doing television work in the past. Um, then I moved into radio podcasting and now I self-produce everything I do. Unslaved is 100% myself, Michael, my wife, and one other guy who does our web. Um, Cult of the Medics is my own personal therapy <laughs> and creative project of uh, just trying to put all these pieces together in a way that would be watchable for people um, to try to tell this story of what I feel is one of the most ancient and powerful cults that has ever existed in our world. And it has a very unique handle on um, one of the aspects of our, of our experience here that has to do with our survival that would drive the average person to go and trust these people blindly without consulting people like yourself or other alternative holistic practitioners that understand um, how to actually achieve sustained optimal health. Instead, we're trained and we're raised to go to the white coats um, that I refer to as the medical cult. Um, and I, I should actually quickly put the disclaimer in that in my series, I'm not trying to attack every uh, doctor, nurse, or anybody that's, that's doing the work that they're doing. I'm trying to go for the top of the food chain, the people that are the progenitors of this pharmaceutical and medical industry, the people that fund it, um, and what I feel are some of the more insidious and corrupt forces that are now behind it. And um, so that's, that's who I, I really identify as the cult, but it's interesting how look at this situation we're seeing with uh, say people like Dr. Peter Hotez, who doesn't even want to go and have a debate with RFK on Rogan's podcast to have an opportunity in front of millions of people from around the world that would love to watch that to uh, defend their faith, to defend the cult, to defend their vaccines and defend um, the protocols that they sort of foisted upon the world. Um, which I believe resulted in a, a great amount of harm, death, uh, loss of business and everything else. And what's led me to the conclusion that I think there's something a lot more behind these so-called pandemics um, than just a bunch of people that maybe made a few mistakes trying to help save humanity. I think a lot of this was planned and orchestrated or at the, or at the very least um, taken advantage of as an opportunity to push through these very uh, insidious geopolitical agendas. And so I started to go, well, where did this all originate? And there's the heart of your question. And um, I'll just wrap this bit up because we got there's so much to get into on that question. But just to say that um, I didn't 
come across this on purpose. I grew up with uh, watching my mother go in and out of the hospital my whole life. Um, she had complications after childbirth and she got onto the, the doctor hamster wheel going in to see these doctors and they started putting her on medications and then surgeries. And she ended up having, you know, dozens of surgeries. Uh, every drug you could possibly imagine was tried on her. Her files would be basically from the desk to the ceiling if she went to some expert on something. And they, to that, to the day she passed away of heart failure, uh, which happened in 2020, um, they never had any real diagnosis of what the problem was. They, they for, went from one expert to the next, and it seemed like every expert she went to see and every protocol she took made her worse, not better. I would have wished she went to see some of you guys, but um, you know, I tried my very best to influence her to look outside the box, and she did a little bit, but uh, not enough. So it made me as a kid, I mean, I grew up waiting in hospital waiting rooms and emergency wards and, you know, was always uh, staying with other people because my mom was out of the hospital a lot. So that experience just impressed on me as a kid, just observing it without any science or any of that yet, any research. I just knew it's weird that she's going to these people to get healed and to get better and she's getting worse. And I see it changing her as a person. She started to change as a person, especially with these medications and whatnot. And so it, it led me to the moment of, uh, of thinking, well, I've got to go and look into this. And then I had other uh, anecdotal experiences with friends of mine, family, people that passed away from cancer, et cetera. Um, and I just started to see this pattern where I was like, every time these people are going in to see these medics, it's getting worse. Why? And then I found some of the books by people like uh, Dr. Robert Mendelssohn. Um, he wrote uh, Confessions of a Medical Heretic which is kind of what gave me the idea to brand this as a sort of religion or cult and, and take that angle. Cause that's what he did in his book. Then you had uh, books by, you know, people like Eustace Mullins murder by injection. Um, those were sort of the two pivotal books that got me curious into the research. And then I started just interviewing people over the years and pulling in other threads of what could be going on behind the scenes and uh, learning, you know, who founded the world health organization, where did the entire, uh, idea that, you know, every disease can be treated with some kind of vaccine that just happens to have a lot of toxins in it and weird stuff that nobody really knows about, you know, and, and all that, where did it originate? So that's basically a summation of my curiosity to do this film. And I was originally going to do it in 2018, but, um, I had an intuitive feeling that I had to wait on it. And I'm glad I did because, uh, 2020 rolled around pandemic started to happen. And, um, I went, all right, this is the perfect opportunity to roll all this information out so that we can get an idea of who we're dealing with uh, when it comes to yeah. the people that are telling us all of these things. So there's a, there's a little nutshell and so many places we go from it's there. A, well, that's, that's, it's all about divine timing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I certainly relate to your experience when I was nine, my mom was diagnosed and then watched her get tortured and sliced and diced for a few years before she passed out and um, had a big impact on me. And then, uh, you know, even though I went into conventional medicine first, it was emergency services. And I was uh, seeing a chiropractor for an old football injury and right in a waiting room, you know, desk there was a um, book, you know, Harold Mendelssohn. I picked that up and couldn't put it down. That blew my mind. And from that, we decided not to 
you know, uh, shoot up our own kids and one thing left to, uh, you know, uh, led to another. So, um, yeah, I certainly relate to everything you're, you're talking about, you know, and I worked with a lot of good doctors out there and, you know, as you know, people just like to belong. They like to think they're doing good things. They like to be part of a club. And when you go through medical school, you know, you put all through this trauma-based uh, mind control learning. And so, you know, you all kind of hang together and, you, you know, you have good intentions. But like you say, uh, now some of those people will argue to the death that, you know, there's nothing better and, and they're doing the best they can. And the cure is right around the corner. You know, we've been waiting for it forever, even though it never arrives. Um, but it's it's those folks at the top, you know, and when I went through the AIDS years and and treated hundreds of AIDS clients and, and connected the dots and figured out there was no connection to a virus whatsoever. And uh, good old Dr. Anthony was up to his neck right in the middle of that one too. You know, you start to see, oh, okay, I, I think I know what's going on here. So, um, you know, if we go back to the beginning of this whole cult, is it even possible to find the exact origins? I mean, we can go back certain amounts in time, but, uh, you know, just fill us in there. How far back can we go? Yeah, really good question. Um, well, the way I started this was in my work with Michael Desarian on Enslaved, he was a huge influence on my research because um, he wasn't just giving me his opinion on things. He would just give me source material to go look at on certain things or mention somebody's name I'd never heard before or whatever. So I started following up on a lot of these leads, as did many of the other guests I was having on my shows. I would just get little pieces that maybe seemed disconnected, and I would just kind of put it into a, a notes folder and just keep adding it. And when I started making the series, I was pursuing the question you've just asked, is there, is there an identifiable group or is there an identifiable agenda um, that can explain the level of corruption that we have seen and that we still continue to see in our modern Western medicine? And why does it exist? Why does the cognitive dissonance exist within the medical community who just absolutely refuse to even listen to voices from within their own groups, within their, like the people I source um, for a lot of this, they were doctors. They were uh, people who wrote for prestigious medical journals. They were people who were on the inside, um, biostaticians, uh, people that worked in the government, uh, people that worked in the CBC and, and, and all these things. And so I went to the insiders and some, but some of the stuff that Michael had sent me was about uh, the history of secret societies. And um, many of those things that go back into ancient history, and it's a story that's so big, and there are a lot of connective tissues that he always said, just start with the symbolism, just follow the symbolism, it tells you a whole story, and it opens the door, it's not the whole thing, but it's what opens the door, because you start to see the patterns, and you start to ask yourself, you know, what is with um, all of these institutions with their uh, logos and their crosses and the bowl of Hygieia and the serpent up the staff and, you know, um, you know, the white coats, even the fact that they wear white coats. Uh, and then when you go to the church, the priests wear the black robes or the judges wear the black robes. Um, you know, what does that really mean? And even the undertakers wear the black robes. And one thing Michael had said once, I put it in one of the chapters, it was so brilliant. He goes, Hey, look, it's pretty simple. You're born to the white coated Templar and you're taken out uh, when you pass away by the black coated Templar, yeah, they got you at both ends, you know, and, and, the, and with that statement, you go, well, what, what do you mean by that? 
And uh, when you dig deeper, you start to realize that there is an origin to even this thing we call hospitals that people don't know about. And um, you start the journey with, you know, I had a very deep interest in the history of like the Knights Templars and uh, history of the Vatican and some of these empires and what's going on there. And um, you start to find that there are some of these other ancient chivalric orders that have been around for thousands of years that are still operating in the world today. And you go, well, are they just there for decoration? Like the Royal family, everybody thinks they're just there for decoration or whatever. Um, or is, are they actually influential at the top? And um, you lo and behold, you find out that there's an interesting story and here, I'll give you a quick example. So hospitals were first started by uh, a group of chivalric knights that were the, basically the, um, the military order of the Catholic church. And they were called the Knights Hospitallers. And that's why they had their name is they went over into the Middle East during the Crusades. They had liaisons with some of these uh, Eastern groups. So they learned a lot of these ancient Oriental occult practices from them. And they also, when they were over in the Middle East, they found that they could set up profitable businesses through hospitals during this time of war. And they basically became known by certain authors of the time, even as the merchants of death. They were the ones who were profiting off of this whole practice, even though they did a lot of good as well. It's not all evil, of course. There's, there's a certain um, element to it that when you dive into that history, you go, oh, this was looked at as basically a new business model, a way of acquiring power uh, by the Roman church. And so they set up these hospitals. They were called the hospitallers. They also built ho hostels and hotels. Let's see, you track the etymology. It's pretty interesting, the connections as well. And um, then they also were the first guys to go in and set up these specific, these very sophisticated spy networks. So they were very much in the world of the spy craft and all of that. And then you go, okay, who were the, so the Knights Hospitallers, there's a little sketch of them, probably a mix of good and evil going on, like everything. But then you go, well, what's, what's the next chapter? Well, they uh, became the Knights of Rhodes. Um, then they, they moved around quite a bit. They uh, were immensely powerful and wealthy. Um, when, the when the Templars got disbanded by the church, um, the, this group, the Knights of, well, they later be called the Knights of Malta because they set up a, um, an outpost on Malta. They absorbed a lot of the Templars that were disbanded from their original order. And more importantly, they absorbed all the wealth that had been accrued uh, by the Templars, who of course were the first international bankers of the world during the Crusades as well. And they were setting up a really uh, a competing business model with the Vatican at the time which kind of pissed them off because it was two mafias fighting over the turf. So they expelled the Templars and used their guys, the hospitalers to absorb all the knowledge, all the wealth, and even some of their own guys. And um, so it's, it's this, this kind of history stuff we're not taught. We don't really know much about, but when you look at the progenitors, the creators of what we now call big pharma and this sort of world health organization, you just start with looking at the symbols. You start looking at the individuals that founded it and are involved in it. And lo and behold, the vast majority of them are actually members of this Knights of Malta organization right up to this day. I mean, the Knights of Malta, yes, they still exist. They didn't die off at the Middle Ages. They're still around. Um, they have their own seat on the United Nations Council, and they sit there as a sovereign nation. So we're talking about a very powerful military order that sits as a nation on the United Nations to this very day. They have international immunity. They have their own passports. Um, 
And I found that interesting that they have the sort of same kind of immunity as say big pharma does with their jab uh, creations um, where they're protected from any kind of liability. And so that made me start to think, is there a connection between these sort of medics at the top and the, the law firms, the, the legal side of this, the, the cult of the black robes, you could call them, um, who administer the legal side of things. And the reason I'm asking all these questions was I was trying to figure out, you know, who's at the top of this pyramid here. And um, to kind of wrap this up quick, because there's so many elements to it, the Knights of Malta, um, a lot of their guys were also involved in the Nazi um, empire. Their, their top advisors to Hitler were all Knights of Malta. They were sent in with full blessing from the Vatican. The same guys financing the Nazi um, rise to power in Germany were also financing the Bolshevik revolution in Russia. They were behind the rise of communism. Then at the same time, these, these other bankers who were members of these orders as well, uh, they were also financing FDR in America. And it's as if they were all trying to do these experiments to see which brand of totalitarianism, whether it was the soft brand or the hard brand, which would be the most effective at, uh, you know, basically gaining control of the population and the resources, et cetera. And um, I think that's the story that we're still seeing unfold in front of us is something that started long ago um, that we're on, we only got hints of, but now we're, we're seeing them come and openly discuss and admit through these world economic forums and um, the sort of the way this medical tyranny rose up during the pandemic was a glimpse at the program that they've been trying to install and set up for quite a long time, um, where the doctors are no longer independent, a, independently able to administer to their patients. They're overseen by these colleges, which are overseen by another layer and another governing body that's international. And you get to the point where um, it's a highly controlled industry. That's all basically financed and propped up by these pharmaceutical companies who are literally some of the most corrupt organizations that you can track and you start looking into their history. And um, so I started to see these common threads and cult of the medics is my attempt at trying to put all these pieces on the table and say, hey, let's ask the question, are there connections? You know, it does that did this start in ancient times? And if so, who are these people and what is their real mandate? Is their real mandate, these medics at the top, I'm talking, um, is their real mandate to, you know, help uplift humanity and, and find cures for disease and keep us healthy and vibrant? Or is there a mandate of uh, population control? Is there a mandate of essentially managing the human family the way that farmers would manage their farm? Is that how they view us? And is that why we see uh, just the constant experiments and the, the horrible side effects and the rise in these diseases, uh, the profiting off of death and disease that we see big pharma doing today that I was noticing was being done by these orders back in the ancient times, right? So it's almost like it's so old, it's new. And I just wondered, you know, is there something big connecting at all? And my opinion is, yes, there is. But I do lay it out in the series as a question uh, to let people think about. And I go, look, I'll, be, I'll show you all the evidence. And then you make up your own mind, but I've definitely put a lot out in the first nine chapters and I got three chapters yet to go. So I hope that sort of starts opening up the, the questions here.
Uh, yeah, and there is a connection between going back to like the Canaanites to the black nobility and the worshiping of Baal, Baal and which is of course all about, you know, human sacrifice and really I, I think it's apparent that we're dealing with some sort of death cult, right? And literally what are the white coats? They're they're wearing a butcher's outfit. <laughs> it's like a butcher's yeah. costume, right? So there is a, a really interesting connection between the black nobility going all the way back then, uh the Italian black nobility and then you have like the Orsini family, right? That is direct connections to the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. And of course, we have to talk about Rockefeller medicine. Yep, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is a and, and then with Malta, you had like the the Windsor family, which, of course, changed their name in World War One. They were really a Germanic uh, family that goes back all all related to Malta, too. If you look like the Queen Elizabeth was the Queen of Malta at one point. So there's like all these really interesting connections between the royal families, Malta, the Knights Templar, the money system, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. It is all kind of tying together. You know, when people say, oh, how is how you have these conspiracy theories with, all, you know, how they all connected? Well, there are lines going back to this weird cult of Baal. Uh, so uh, and then you could even get into like some Atlantis stuff with that, <clears throat> the fall of Atlantis. So. We could spiral off on this forever, David, but there are, when you really look at it, and you've done a great job, it, it there is a line of succession from through yeah. that this death cult has done. Right. And so, those are good points. Those are almost like the pieces I couldn't even add in. Like, this is why this subject's so big. I can't even, it's so many aspects. It's hard to put it all into one presentation. So this is why it's an ongoing series, right? So good, good job there because yeah, you get into Rockefeller medicine, you know, they made their money in the petrochemical industry. They came in and they basically were, I look at them as pirates that sort of hijacked um, Western medicine, which was all, was on a track to course correct and was doing a lot of good. And I think had a lot of potential to interface with the best of, um, you know, a natural approach and also the modern scientific approach and really become uh, what we all want the medical system to be and what we all think it is. But um, when you look under the, under the hood, it's not, unfortunately, it's very corrupt. And it's these people like Rockefeller who are all um, agents of this order that I'm talking about. They're agents of, uh, of basically the, uh, the real cults, the powerful cults that run this whole thing. And um, there is a, I think there is a connective tissue, but the perspective of the world has to shift for someone in order to take that on. So I try to go in stages with people and I say, look, you don't have to agree with me and, and Mike and, and, and bear here about the fact that maybe there's a connective tissue going back through history to these ancient cults in, you could also look at it like, um, there are like, okay, think of it like this. Think of these Zodiac killers and some of these, uh, these serial killers or these modern cults. This is what I was doing when I fell into this was I was researching modern incarnations of various cults and noticing a pattern there. Also noticing the interesting symbolism, even the ideas that they would bring out. Like, for example, the Order of the Solar Temple was a cult that was started, I think, in Quebec, actually. It started getting global uh, uh, recruits. And it was basically a suicide cult. And it was modeled after the order of the Templars. They called themselves the New Templars. Well, who else called themselves the New Templars? The Nazis and Goebbels and all those guys that were learning a lot of what they built from occult orders, the Thule Society, etc. So there's been this weird connection to some of these freaky serial killings like Son of Sam and um, Charles Manson and all of that with these various satanic cults. 
And then you well, have you could go back to Jack the Ripper. Yeah, Jack the Ripper, right? Like it, that's the thing is you start to see a, a pattern. So you could say, well, maybe it's connected through history as a sort of like uh, thing where you know, and people that think all oh, the secret societies, there's no connective tissue, uh, they're all dead and gone. Well, it's not true because just think, for example, about all the religions of the world. Christianity survived thousands of years. Islam survived thousands of years. Judaism, Buddhism, um, you know, they've survived thousands of years. So why couldn't um, some of these private cults and private religions of the pharaohs, of the Caesars, of the, of the royals, the British Empire, how you think that that went away? You know, they, they've got sort of a they've got stuff for the masses and then they've got private stuff that you know nothing about. And they, they use um, ancient ritual ceremony and they employ symbolism from these ancient uh, originating cults. And so you go, well, either they're doing a sort of like, they're trying to reincarnate the old ways and keep it alive, or there's actually like some kind of bloodline, um, you know, connection or something. But either way, this is what I do. I try to keep it very simple. People go, what's the point of all this conspiracy stuff, Dave? Like, well, who would do this? And I think that's what it is, is most people can't fathom the nature of evil or the prevalence of it. Um, and no, I'm not a black pill person that thinks everything's evil and everybody's evil. I'm not there at all. Um, we have to look at, you know, how did things get to be corrupt? Why do we see what we see happening? It's proof is in the pudding. So there is uh, something dark and sinister at work. So let's keep it simple. Um, Yuri Bezmenov was a KGB defector that was interviewed by the great Edward Griffin back in the, I don't know, the eighties. And, um, he basically broke down the stages of ideological subversion. And this, this is interesting to me because he was speaking in a political sense with the way that the communists from Russia were going to come into America. Right. But I started to notice a similarity with this and my study of cult indoctrination. So I thought that was interesting. So here it is four stages. Demoralization, stage one, destabilization, stage two, introduce a crisis or take advantage of an existing crisis and then usher in a new normalization. Well, let's just go with the pandemic. So what, what happened? Well, even more than the pandemic, look what's going on to America and Canada and the whole Western world right now. Uh, demoralization. You know, you're all filthy, racist, Nazi, homophobes if you like freedom. Uh, that's what they told us the Canadians when we started to protest Trudeau destabilization. Well, look what they're doing to our economy. Our economy is becoming destabilized. Um, and you know, that puts everybody into panic survival mode. And then a crisis after crisis, Klaus Schwab many times has said, we are in multiple crises at once. It's the poly crisis age. And the only way to deal with the crisis is to create what a new normal. And that's what they told us at the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. We're going to have a new normal to replace the old normal and the new normal is basically a model that they developed in China, uh, the social credit score, the highly collectivized society, the totalitarian setup. They mastered it there, and they are trying to basically create that structure and imprint it on the entire world under a one-world governing system. And we've known about this for a long time. But anyway, so that's sort of the political side of it, and, and it got like that with COVID. But then here's a little quote on cults to understand when I'm saying cult of the medics, and you're going to probably have doctors and people, oh, what are you talking about? We're in a cult. Um, well, here you go. Let's just see the behavior of a lot of these institutions and the behavior of what we just saw all of our medical institutions do during the pandemic and see if this rings any bells. This is from RJ Intendola, and he gives a definition. 
The cult thrives on maintaining strict, harmonious beliefs in attitude, opinions, and behavior. Discord and dissonance are averted at all costs to maintain a false dogma. Truth propels the group deeper into pseudo-beliefs, meaning they can't see the truth, and truth-telling is defamed. The result is cognitive dissonance. So you have basically the blueprint of these cults was to worship and elevate a person, an idea, a set of doctrines, uh, some ancient texts or whatever. And anybody that thinks outside of that is basically dealt with by the cult or banished from the cult or even censored by the cult. And so think of what the doctors did to their own or the medics did to their own when all these doctors in the pandemic came out and started to show alternative perspectives on what we could do and alternative therapies and cures and things like that. Um, they got defamed. They got, uh, you know, basically they weren't maintaining that strict harmonious belief system. And so they were marginalized, censored, ridiculed, had their licenses taken away in many cases, and many of them got disappeared, you know? So it acts kind of, it's like a mix between the mafia and a cult. And I think we're getting close to describing how this whole thing operates. And then the final statement is, well, what's the agenda? Well, let's think of it like this. What was the agenda of any totalitarian regime or empire in history? The agenda was, as it always is and still is, the acquisition of power over land, resources, and wealth. And if you want to gain illegitimate, unearned power over land, resources, and wealth, what do you need to do? You need to take control of the population of people that live on that land, that live, own, or manage those resources, and that create that wealth. And so that means they're after us because uh, that's, that's how they're going to get it. And I just look at it as, well, if you wanted the best Trojan horse to be able to achieve this, you would want to take over the medical institutions. And um, because people listen to those doctors the way that they used to listen to the priests, it's because they're the ones that are connected to our survival. So who, who are you to question or challenge the high and mighty medics who know way more than you do? Um, that's kind of the, the vibe that people go with. But what if that became hijacked, became corrupted, and is now used as a system of managing your lifespan, managing your genetics, managing your, um, now look, they're at the point where they're getting political and they're managing whether you can enter certain stores or, uh, you know, do certain things. So you get to the point where you say, well, they're gaining more power. And, um, it, when I look at this, I just say, Hey, there is no innocent explanation to any of this anymore. In my mind, there is something very nefarious going on and I'm just trying to investigate it and, uh, see if we can figure out what's really up with it. And what the medical establishment has cultivated is uh, just an intense fear of death. And their system has become about prolonging that final breath, uh, you know, or, or making people believe that, uh, you know, their modalities are going to prevent them from dying. And then, of course, the rest of the agenda there is about separating us from spirit. And of yeah. course, when that cord has been severed and you externalize yourself as a little stick figure with no uh, spiritual origins, of course, that that fear of death becomes even more intense. And uh, I know people personally that have actually been educated, um, you know, as far as a lot of the things we're talking about, 
but just flat out say, in fact, I'm thinking of a story. I was at a little party one time and there's a, a woman who was in charge of the nurses, uh, you know, as chief nurse at the local hospital. And I used to treat a lot of those people in our clinic. And she said, you know, Bear, I see what you do. I see some of the results you get. Uh, I, you know, in fact, I treated her family and uh, she said, you know, I have no doubt about the efficacy of what you're doing. But if I got the diagnosis and she was just being honest, she says my fear would take over to the point where I just run in and have them hook me up to chemo. She says, mm -hmm. I know that's stupid, but that's just where my emotions are at. And I think that's where most people are at now if they're, you know, in that situation where they get the big D then uh, they'll do anything that might save their life. And then, of course, on the back end, if they aren't already dead and and the doctors say, well, there's nothing more you can do, then those are the kinds of people that would finally come to us. So, yeah, it's just uh, preying on that, you know, that most primal fear that they've actually cultivated themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's a like you said it better than I could. That's there. It's the same way that religion would prey on everybody's concern about the afterlife right? If you can get everybody hyper-focused on the afterlife and that this life is essentially just cruel and meaningless, and we just have to follow the priesthood into the afterlife, then you can control people in that way. Um, and then, but then you need another system of control for the people that maybe aren't as concerned about that. And what better one than the very atheistic worldview of modern science that is now permeated the medical institutions and discard consciousness, spirit, the other dimensions to reality, the idea that um, you can grow things in your backyard that can keep you healthy. You can have healthy practices. They don't want you to know that you can become independent from their system. So that's the key is they're, they're coordinating, coordinating everybody into this one seasoned approach. And that to me, when they did that with the vax, with the jab and all that, I knew right away they're silencing their own voices from within that are saying, Hey, I got questions. Like even people like Gert Vandenbosch, who's still very pro all the medical uh, things. Um, but he started challenging this particular protocol to the point where he's like, I need to warn humanity about the possible devastating effects of this. He's one of the top uh, guys in their field. He's very high, highly regarded. You know, we had doctors in Canada that are sort of like, like Dr. Byron Bridal comes to mind. He's a, he's a vaccinologist. He's one of the top guys in Canada that actually creates these vaccines. And um, he came out and he was like, this is, this is horrible what you're doing. You can't force this. We haven't tested this properly. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, and so I'm like, well, when they were silencing their own, it wasn't just me because people can look at me and go, Dave, you're not a doctor. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. That's what everybody does. But I go, yeah, but Dr. Peter McCullough knows what he's talking about. And Malone knows that, you know, like these guys know what they're talking about. Here's a bunch of examples. Um, why wouldn't we get an equal, uh, why wouldn't we get an equal airtime for both narratives in a free society so that people can make up their own minds? We didn't get that. We got what? We got a one seasoned approach and anybody, medical doctor, nurse, average Joe that dared question it in Canada. We even just went and started honking some horns at our government to try to get them to turn these policies around. And they started curb stomping people and locking them away in jail and freezing their bank accounts for even daring to challenge it. When I see the overreaction like that, when I see the overt censorship and oppression of people within their own cult, that just tells me, yep, you're a cult. You're a part of a cult and you operate like a cult. And therefore, when I call you guys a cult of a medics, 
you're controlled by one at the very least. I think I'm more than justified at this point because of what we're seeing happen. So I just tell people, forget about all the rhetoric. Forget about all the propaganda that you're hearing from the media, which is bought and paid for and owned by the pharmaceutical industry, by the way. Uh, think for yourself and start to watch the actions of these people. And even better than that, observe the non-actions of these people and ask yourself if they were all at the top, so concerned about humanity and helping us get through this and all that, then why all of these instances of all these things we've just talked about? And that's where I go. There is no innocent explanation. When you've got scientific organizations and Bill Gates and the Club of Rome and all these organizations talking about, we need to reduce the human population. Well, think about it, guys. They've written about this and spoken about it. Ted Turner's talked about it. They've been talking about this for decades. Okay. And it's our naivety to think that they aren't actually serious about that. They that's wrote it in stone. Cult, the, that's another cult, David, the Malthusian cult. Right. But in the end, Mike, think <laughs> about it. Like Malthus, where did he come out of? Royal Society and a mm -hmm. lot of these high level groups. It's all connected in the end. Same place and Darwin so, did. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's the cult of materialism in the end. And I'm thinking right. of, uh, I'm thinking of all Oswald Spangler. I don't know if you know him. He's a, it was an yep. author and yeah. And he, he, he had a theory about the fall and rise of, of empire. Right. And it's like kind of nature growth and, and then it comes up and it dies. Right. And at least back in the day during the middle ages, when the, 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 the cult was talking about the afterlife, Life. There was still an afterlife, right? And there was a there was a degree of spirituality with the Gothic cathedrals, and that was kind of Oswald would say that was the height of the of the current Western regime of of the right. civilization. We are now in like the the most cynical, like materialistic hellscape of of manipulation, where people literally just believe we're machines and have there is no spiritual connection to any afterlife. So I think it's way worse than ever in that term. So. Uh, but that being said, it's also fracturing and completely collapsing, as Oswald will say, as we're kind of moving into that back to the land, people going back to just people are just, I think, from our community are just exhausted with it all. Yeah. And they just don't want to even deal anymore. They just want to go grow stuff, <laughs> like get their hands in the dirt, you know? So I think there is a beautiful reaction to that. And on one final note, what Oswald talks about is this rise of Caesarism and how there are going to be individuals that aren't politic political ideologues who are just going to wipe it all out and take over and, and actually take out the cult. And so- I don't know if we're seeing that now, starting to see that with the rise of a certain individuals or not. Uh, the Elon Musk of the world, maybe. I don't know, because he seems like a pretty wacky dude that doesn't have much of an ideology. <laughs> I wonder about him. But anyways, uh, for anyone who's interested, I highly recommend reading Oswald Spangler. I started reading his book last week, and I am kind of seeing that rise and fall of, of our civilization, the way he explains. But to your point, David, yeah. Um, wow, where are we at right now? Where do you think we're at right now with yeah. everything going? We've got RFK Jr. on the rise, trying to, you know, going for president. Um, we seems like with the Rogan stuff coming out and all that, there seems to be a national debate about quack scenes that I've never seen before in my lifetime. I think Bear is ready to 
kind of see this hit the mainstream, <laughs> how much he's been gaslit his entire career. Yeah. Is this all part of the dialectic, all part of the co-opted control? It's all part of the narrative, the cult's still running? Or do you see the cult fracturing and, as Oswald will say, the rise of the people kind of just fed up with it all? <clears throat> Excellent question. And it'd be a good one to start wrapping with here. Um, I, I, I want all people to understand that I've got good news as well. Okay. It's not all bad news. Um, the good news is not everybody in these elite circles sees humanity in this way, this psychopathic way. Um, you know, there's one, it seems like there's different groups. There's, there, there's, there are different factions is a way to put it. Some of these guys look at humanity as farm animals that are need to be managed and culled and um, chipped and injected like farm animals. They, they look at themselves as superior to us and they don't really see a positive future for humanity because now they've got this new technology where they can create androids that don't disobey, that uh, do that work like beehive ants or bees in a, in a beehive and don't ever question or challenge authority. Um, so there's those that group. And uh, that's what I would call sort of the dark side of the force. But the, on the other side, even in these very elite circles and secret societies and orders, we have people that have worked for the benefit of humanity and I think have tried to do a lot of good. There are many, there was many good uh, things done within some of these orders as well. And I think there's been sort of a battle happening in even these elite circles and secret societies and various fraternities for a long time over the worldview over humanity. And I think that um, whether some of these guys aren't necessarily perfect saints, um, they are, they, they see a different approach. Um, you know, I, and I believe that what you're, what Spangler was referencing and what you're hinting at there, this rise of the people, I do believe we're in the, the heart of the, this great awakening process. I believe that the only reason this corruption got to where it was, was because of us being ignorant and, and, and blindly trusting known liars, criminals, and deceivers. And so this is a new chapter where, Humanity is being given access to information on mass about a lot of these different subjects all at the same time in a way that I've never seen before. Anybody I've spoken to that's done this longer than me has ever seen. And I'm seeing when I saw the Canadian trucker convoy kick off in Canada, because I got to tell you, at that time in Canada, I was like, Canada's done. And there's many people in Canada that still feel like Canada's done. But I still look at that movement and saw the millions of people that rallied behind it and even inspired other countries uh, I went, okay, we're not alone and we don't need everybody. We just need a strong motivated 15% of the population to be able to break this mass formation trance and to be able to change things. And I believe we have help from the inside. I believe, I know it. I speak to um, people from within the police, within the military, the intelligence world, uh, people in the corporate world who they also love uh, these kind of films and they are also trying to do what they can. So it's not all bad. Uh, evil is not the only force at work in this world. We've had whistleblowers and truth tellers with us from the beginning. All we have to do is go back and read them and study them. All the solutions to these problems have already been written down by the great minds of history and even our current time. So nothing needs to be invented, nothing new under the sun. We got to go back to our roots. We got to get with the land again. We got to get independent from the system as best we can. And we need to uh, keep working to cultivate freedom from within, health from within, uh, start on the local level. That's where this infiltration started, by the way. They started on your local governmental level before they got to the big global government level. So let's reverse engineer that. And I think we've definitely got some help. 
I'm happy to see what Elon has done with Twitter, um, where he's allowing us to have these discussions on there again, and more people are coming back. Um, and that was a big problem before, cause there was nowhere for us to have these discussions really that, you know, these other platforms were great, but you never got the level of exposure that you can. Um, so yeah, not everybody's perfect, but it seems to be as a big, as a, as a bigger movement that there's an awakening process happening as more people see just how corrupt things have become. They're thinking, what do we do about it? And the more minds that come to that fight, the more solutions we're going to get and the more disclosure of these hidden truths that we're going to get. So I see that the time that we're in right now is very crucial. I think that um, the, the vast majority of people are starting to change their opinion on all this stuff now. They're watching their government and their media and these medics like a hawk now. And um, the fact that these medics won't even show up to the table of debate uh, publicly to even just settle it and, and help us conspiracy theorists see the light tells you everything you need to know that they're running scared and the public sees that and that just wakes up more people. So all we got to do guys is do what you're doing, educate people to become independent, how to be healthy, how to be free, how to pursue the truth, and then let these guys fall on their own sword because they're doing a fantastic job of exposing themselves even without my yeah. or your assistance. So it's almost like just yeah. let them decay uh, on their own. And I think, as I said, I believe we've got help in high places. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of help behind the veil for sure. Otherwise, I don't think we'd come this far. You know, yeah. from my perspective, I'm extremely encouraged because, um, you know, I have a little bit of a longer timeline to look down. And uh, uh, I never would have dreamt that I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. I never would have dreamt that uh, so many people would be having these discussions out in the open in front of tens of thousands of people. These are things that we talked about in very confined, you know, kind of esoteric circles. Right. And uh, here we are. It's it's all out in the open. There's no more secrets. So uh, I'm greatly encouraged about that. And I know we already have enough numbers to create that momentum, that critical mass, you know, in momentum where, uh, you know, we're talking about energy here. It's not about, you know, yeah. billions versus, uh, you know, so many other numbers of people. It's about an energetic momentum. And we're about one split second away from critical mass. And at that point, the whole thing shifts. You know, we know how that works. The other thing that you guys are talking about as far as, uh, you know, all the encouraging signs, as far as a lot of people waking up, we also have to understand that old adage, there's no honor amongst thieves is uh, is very true. So these guys are, you know, they're, you can already see it started. They're starting to eat each other. They're going to yeah. be their own worst enemies. So, um, you know, we've got everything going in our favor. However, there's also another saying from the old uh, mystery schools uh, where they repeat over and over about, you know, prophesizing about these times. And they always say, for those who will be left. So mm -hmm. it's also a time of great decision making for each and every one of us as far as what side of history are we on? And is it our time to claim, uh, you know, our true sovereignty and self-determination, our divine birthrights, or are we going to stay afraid? Uh, David, yeah, we're coming up on time here. So uh, maybe if you could tell us um, any other final comments that you have, but also run uh, by all your different uh, sites and links so people can find your work. 
Absolutely. Well, I just loved your, your comments there, guys. Uh, we could talk for hours. We'll have to do it again sometime. Uh, keep doing the Love work you. you're doing. I'll keep doing the work I'm doing. Everybody listening, just do what you can. That's all, that's all we're going to be able to do. We can't win the whole thing ourselves, but we don't need to. We just need little pushes. Keep talking, even when you're afraid to talk, even when you feel like you're the only one in the room. Um, learn how to be conversant with the facts. Keep your energy calm. Uh, let them be the one that are panicky and shouting and yelling and just be the calm voice of reason, uh, bring, get the facts, uh, you know, in front of you so you can see it. And I believe the truth is going to win in the end. The lie is unsustainable and it's coming down around us in so many different ways. And I think it's only just beginning. So we got a exciting, uh, roller coaster ahead of us here. If you want to find out more about this, you can go and watch cult of the medics right now for free. The first nine chapters are available. Uh, you can download it, put it on your site. You can make clips out of it. I put this out there for you guys. If you want to leave a donation, you can leave it on the site, but it's not required. The best thing you can do is share it far and wide. And you can get that at cultofthemedics.com. If you want to follow my podcast uh, that I do, um, I have a podcast called Truth Warrior. It's uh, my own personal podcast. You can get that at dwtruthwarrior.com. And um, you can also follow one of my favorite projects of all time, which is Unslaved. Um, we've had Dr. Bear on and we'll have to have him back again. You can go to unslave.com. I do that work with Michael Tessarian. There is a fee to that. Uh, that's a premium, uh, podcast, but it's worth every penny. There's an archive of thousands of hours of unique content on there. You won't find anywhere else. So unslave.com is the place for that. Um, and yeah, gentlemen, thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you, David. And as <clears throat> Mikey said in the Goonies, it's our time. It's our oh, yeah. time now. So uh, I couldn't agree more. Please, guys, go uh, follow David, support his work. He's out there living the way. And what I love, too, is you're working with children, which is so, so important because they are the future. And we need to show them the way so that they're inspired to find um, their true path. So thanks, yeah. David, for that. And uh, David, I heard from my friend, Matt Presti, and I don't know if this is true, uh, um, that you jumped on Cordal. Is this true? I jumped on what? Uh, on Decordal. Cordal? Oh, okay, that? maybe not. He was saying, because uh, he just joined, it's a decentralized network oh. that, um, that uh, I'm part of that's a completely parallel internet system. Oh, dang. I send yeah. it over. I, I, I don't okay. know. Yeah, he hit me up. He's, He's like, David Whitehead's joined in. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Because obviously having unslaved content on there, it's a completely censorship proof, decentralized person to person platform. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love stopped. Those. So yeah, I'll look into it. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks again for all you do. Uh, just Bear and I have been fans and following your work for a long time. So oh, uh, you. appreciate you. I will let you get off to class. Uh, all the show links will be below. Guys, uh, thanks again for joining us today. Please share this with your friends and family. It really helps to get the information out. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go for a hike. Show Mother Nature some love. She teaches us so much every day. We are blessed to be in this magical realm. Love you guys. See you next week, Thursday, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Take it easy, guys. Cheers. Thanks, guys.